the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Everyone has their own ideas as to who God is. Today, we'll take a look at who He says He is. Next, on Truth For Today, with Pastor Phil Howard. Join us. Talk to 10 different people and they'll give you 10 different answers as to who they think God is and what he's like. But here in God's Word, here in the Bible, we get a very clear definition of who he is. We get a very clear view of the character and nature of God. It's really quite exciting to take a look at. So let's do just that, shall we? Here's Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church here in Hercules with a look at today's broadcast, our Thursday edition of Truth For Today. What does God say to atheism? He says something like this. Hello, I am. Oh, what? Come on, give a defense. Here I am. Here I am. He told them, you know, in Samuel, when they went down there and set up the idol Dagon, they put it there in the holy place. Came out the next morning, Dagon was... Fell down. Well, you just need to repair your God. You need to put a few more nails on him. We didn't anchor our God down good enough. The next day, Dagon was on his face. I want to tell you, someday our God's going to show up and be visible. And every person is going to see the arguments lost if he just shows up. I am that I am. Uh, to agnostics, God says, you can know me. These things were written that you might know me. John 17, 3, 1 John 5, 13. Uh, tapes are on sale after this class, so help yourself. Too often, mine sell like pancakes, 60 cents a dozen, so please buy some. Uh, evolutionists, God says, in the beginning, I was there. Matter cannot come out of nothing. Something started it. I was there. To the materialist, God says, all that came to be was created through him and not anything that exists exists without him. John 1, 3. I created everything that exists from oceans to mountains to man to all these different levels of plant life. God did it. That's his reply. Matter did not produce matter. No ex nihilo. God said it came out of something greater than what he made. The painting is less than the artist. The artist creates the painting. The painting doesn't create the artist. Uh, To pantheism, God says, I am above all creation, but I'm not one with it. I am distinct from creation. I am the creator. I'm transcendent. I'm above it. When you worship a tree, you haven't worshiped God. God is distinct from his creation. To polytheism, God said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. In him only shall you worship. Deuteronomy 6.4, then Exodus 20, the Decalogue. You shall have no other gods before you. 
I am the God, and I've chosen Abraham to reveal monotheism. I'm not into the pagan gods of all your surroundings. I shall reveal through Abraham and Israel there is one God, one God. All others are figments of the imagination who have no power. According to 1 Corinthians, the idols are only empowered by demons as we bow to them and give them power. But in and of themselves, they're wood, stone, and they shall fade. They can't hear you when you're sick. They can't see you when you're desperate. There's only one God that can see you, hear you, and deliver you. It's the God of the Bible. I'm trying not to preach. I'm trying to be intellectual, and some of you are totally caught off guard. Uh, Look at here. There's arguments that people have used in the past to try to prove the existence of God. I'll just give you a brief statement. They're always inadequate. The cosmological argument in your notes, the universe has an order and arrangement from a first cause sufficient for the effect. Cause and effect. That when we see the cosmos or the created order, you just say there has to be something greater than what was created. And so they call that a cosmological argument. Thomas Aquinas was famous for these arguments in his Summa Theologue. Uh, Teleological argument. It's the argument of design. That if I look at a watch, I assume something smarter than the watch made the watch. And so when I see the universe with, you know, science, uh, to have a microscope, and to get in and see the intricacy just of the human body. I mean... uh, I got a brother that's Paul that's trying to, the electrical system when his heart is off now. And there's an actual electrical charge to the heart. Who started that first current to the heart in the embryo? I mean, it's, it's incredible. When you, in medicine today, you, you got somebody for the ear, somebody for the foot, someone for the mouth, someone for the eye. We are so technically made. It just happened. It just you know, where did you get Webster's Dictionary? Oh, they had an explosion at the printer's plant. <laughs> and it just came out of dictionary. You don't need any intelligence to do a dictionary. You don't need anything intelligent to make a cosmos, a universe, and that keeps the planets, the moon, and the sun, and the tides all coordinated. You just matter figured it all out. The dirt got together and said, we're going to make dirt and we're going to coordinate it so it's not even off three degrees or we'd burn up the earth. If you're educated, you believe something close to that. If you're just an ordinary Christian, you just read, in the beginning, God created. That's good enough for me. Hebrews 11, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Where did you go to school? Genesis 1.1. The wisdom of the ages wrote a book, and I believe it. When did you show up? Do I sound sarcastic? You know what? It's my time to throw back what the culture is suppressed about our God and make our kids look like idiots because they believe this stuff. I want to tell you, young people, to believe God is the wisest thing you'll ever do, and time will vindicate the truth. Time will vindicate the truth. And I do this at college, but they won't let me on campus. I don't get time in the biology department. And I don't have to be a scientist. I just want to tell them what God says. 
And you don't have to be a scientist. Well, maybe we're wrong. Maybe they're going to find something we missed. No, no, no. They won't find the missing link. No, no, no. They're missing it, all right, but it's not a link. (laughs) They don't accept God's explanation. It's just unbelief or belief. Anthropological argument says man's rationale and his uniqueness must have come from something that's rational or intelligent. So when we see a person, where did you, we're not animals. I guess I'm tired of being called animals. Animals got instinct. I've got intelligence. When's the last time an animal bought his wife a Valentine card? <laughs> huh? I mean, they breed. They have seasons. Man, they don't even know how to love. No. We're, we're, we have intelligence. We have a va- we're made in the image of God. We've got a value, he said in Genesis 9, you can kill animals and eat them for food, but don't kill a man or a woman, for they're made in the image of God, and I will not hold you guiltless if you kill a man. Genesis 9. I don't want Shamu to die, but Shamu won't go to heaven. One little baby has been flushed down a toilet it's worth more than a thousand whales. Human life is on a different level, friend. We are not made as animals. We're made as worshipers to worship the living God. And that's why God wants to save you and change you to turn you into worshiping your creator. Well, what's different about God? What's his essence? If someone asks you, what is God made up of? Look at John 4. John 4. Someone lock that back door until I get through this now. (laughs) Now, we're not going to get through all the notes, so don't worry. You can see the Raiders play. Rich is recording it, so he's not worried. Some of you get smart enough, you record that stuff. Uh, Look at John 4.24. John 4.24. Jesus is having a debate with a woman shacking up with a man on how to worship. Isn't that amazing? Here she's shacking up with a guy and arguing with the Son of God how to worship. I'm amazed at how many specialists we got that are living in sin. They got all the right answers, but they got a messed up life. If you got any right answers, it ought to affect your life. Amen. Wait until God changes you to attack me. When he changes you, we'll sure enough thank God's in it. But I know some folks, they're educated beyond their obedience. They know a lot more than they obey, and they want to beat you up with what they know. Don't do that. Just just live it. We'll catch on. We'll see it. So here's a woman living the guy in adultery, but arguing with Jesus where you ought to worship. Is that not kind of uh, profound? Well, verse 24, God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. In the Greek. God is as to his character or nature, spirit, insofar as substance. So when we talk about God, what's the stuff he's made of? We say, he's made of spirit stuff. Okay. Now, are there any other spirit beings out there besides God? Name me some. Angels? Demons? Devil? That's plenty. Seraphim? Cherub? Different category, principalities, powers, Satan. They're all spirit beings. Now, what do spirit beings have in common? 
Number one, they're incorporeal. They don't need a body. They don't have bodies. You remember when Jesus was walking around, he said, I'm not a spirit. He told me, I'm not a spirit because touch me, I got flesh and bone. Spirit beings don't have flesh and bone. So God is incorporeal when we talk about spirit. And angels are. They don't need a body. Uh, They're intelligent. You don't need a body to be a person. Those who die in Christ and go to heaven, they don't have their body. Their body's yet to be resurrected from the dead. But they're still live people with intelligence that could be worshiping up there and waiting for the resurrection of their body. So you don't need a body to have intelligence, will, and emotion. So a demon has intelligence. A demon has emotion, has volition, does not have a body, is invisible, but is a real person. You see, you've got to watch. People make God a force. There's the force. And we've got to get the lining up of the stars or Darth Vader or something. He's not the force. He's personal. Spirit beings are personal. It's not just, ooh, when the fog blows in, I feel it. No, no, this is a person. All this mystical, feely stuff. Uh Uh-uh. An amazing thing in the Bible to show you what spirit beings can do, 6,000, perhaps, spirit beings lived in the spatial area of one man's body, and they were called legion, who spoke, and there's about 6,000 soldiers made up a legion of Roman soldiers, four to 6,000. So in one man's body, he had four to 6,000 spirit beings. And when Jesus cast out the demons, 5,000 swine were driven to their death because the demons entered the bodies and drove them over the cliff. That is an amazing thing, that a spirit being can occupy the same space as a body and control it. Now, what makes God as a spirit set apart from all other spirit beings? What's true of his spirit, his being? We call it the essence of God, the stuff that makes him. What sets him apart? Let's look at it. Number one, he's self-existent. He's self-existent. And look at John 5. 5, uh, 523. No, 526. The Spirit of God is self-existent, whereas angels were created. They did not always exist. God made them. But the Spirit that is God was not made. Look at the definition. God exists by the necessity of his own being. He is the uncaused cause. Nothing outside of him caused him to exist. And John says it this way. For as the Father has life, 526, for as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. And that means self-existent, unbegotten life. By the way, when you hear the term, he's the only begotten Son of God, that word only begotten means one of a kind, not procreated. Monogenes. The only kind of son in this category. He calls angels sons. He calls born-again people sons. But he said, this is my only one of his kind of son. What's unique about him? He was not begotten in the way of physical procreation. He had an eternal existence. He's in a category of sonship unique to the Trinity. One of a kind. Not begotten by any man and not spun off by the Father. He is co-eternal with the Father. 
always existed. And that's what John 1 in his prologue says. In the beginning was God, and the Word was God, and the Word was God. So you've got one called God, the Word called God. They're facing, they were in the beginning, God the Father, God the Word, who he said in chapter 1, verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. One eighteen, and we looked upon His glory, the only begotten of the Father. God the Son, He's talking about, is God and co-eternal with His Father. Self-existent. Other words, nobody caused them to be. They've just always been. So simple, so wonderful. Two, God is immense. God is not measurable and extends beyond all creation. Isaiah 66, 1 says that the heavens cannot contain God. Notice 66, 1. This is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Imagine that. (laughs) They keep discovering galaxies. He said, I got a throne up here and the earth's my footstool and we have an earthquake, God just patting too hard. You know, where is the house you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? Has not my hands made all these things? And so they came into a being. Look at Psalms 139. Psalms 139. He's immense. He's uh, beyond everything he ever created. Hold on there. I'll read it as I give another point. Just hold there, though. We'll come back. When we talk about the immensity of God, there's three things that are connected with it. Omnipresence. Wherever there's physical matter, God was not omnipresent in eternity past. He was just immense. But when he made created things, he became omnipresent. I'll be present everywhere I created something. So there's no thing, nothing he's created where he does not have a personal presence. He's out there. Uh, another thing is residency. We call it theology. God has chosen certain places to reside, which is an uh, unlimited manifestation of his person, so that angels and spirit beings would know where to find him. So he said, I'll, I'll make a throne room and I'll manifest myself sitting on a throne so Satan can show up to attack the saints and where angels can worship me. But I go beyond my throne. I'm beyond everything I ever created. But my person, I'll underscore there at the throne so they'll see some manifestation of him. And then there's another truth that's amazing to me. Did you know that on the earth right now, uh, let's say there's 900 million born-again believers. God has said, I indwell all of my people. So you got him on the throne up here. (laughs) You've got him immensely over all of creation and beyond it. He stopped somewhere, but... It's so beyond, far beyond creation, none of us know. And he says, and I'll give a limited personal manifestation of who I am in the bodies of believers that I will make holy of holies. And when you went to the holy of holies, God gave a limited manifestation of his Shekinah glory. And you got in the holy of holies, and if God was approved, he'd show himself in the cloud and fire. God says, I'm going to distribute that cloud and glory in my people, but it will be personal. So that you'll go around and say, I'm indwelt by God. Yet, he's got a throne there. Yet, he's beyond the Milky Way. He's immense. You can't measure him. You can't run away from him, Jonah. 
there will be as much of him to where you're running as where you're running from. You're running over, I'm hiding. And all of a sudden you hear, hello? <laughs> this is God? I ain't trying to get away from you. Run. Now watch. Look at Psalms 139. You should have already been there. Listen to this. We're going to get this comes along with God's omniscience and his immensity. But listen to this. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. And he says, when I was in my mother's womb, he continues to talk about his immensity and his omniscience. Well, God is spirit. God is simple. And that is not referring to intelligence. It's referring to his composition. He's not like you and I. We're complex. Blood, bone, flesh, and soul, spirit. We're complex. God is just spirit, simple in composition. God is unity, or united. And the classic verse of Israel is Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Now, we're going to look at the Trinity. Do we believe that God is one? Yes. Well, why do you say there are three who are God? It's this way. When we talk about God's essence... His spirit, there's only one spirit in all the universe you can call God. But that spirit is equally shared by three personal manifestations. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit. You say, well, you can't talk. That's double talk. Not if you believe in compound unities. I'll give you an example. Moses writes of the days of creation. And he made morning and the evening was the first day. Morning and evening, first day. One day, but two parts. Morning, evening. Or by the time Moses gives us a description of what marriage is to be, he gives us Genesis 2. For this cause shall a man leave his mother and father, and he shall cleave to his wife, and they shall become one. Now, that means today, when you walk through the door, we only had one opinion represented in the two of you. Laugh. Are you one? God says you are. How can that be? We're so different. You know, all this literature, the difference between male and female, I've been waiting for it for years. I want to say, big deal. I've known that for years. But we're different. But we're one? And he says, to be good to your wife is being as good as to your body. So when you're good to your wife and your wife's good to the husband, you don't deserve a purple heart. He's just being good to yourself. For no man fails to nourish and cherish his body, and your wife is as your body, right? And let me tell you, if you're not good to her, you better pray for nourishment. (laughs) Fast food's going to look good. I mean, so because you're one. You're one. Now, do we accept that? Now, some of you don't. That's why divorce is a human tragedy and heartbreak. God doesn't want one rent in two. You can never get the edges back together. It's an intrusion to the divine design that God never intended a man and woman to ever be rent apart. Sin brought that. But to see in it, there's a compound unity. 
So that when I'm talking to your wife, I know I'm not getting your opinion necessarily or your viewpoint. I'm getting hers. But there's something about you as husband and wife. God says there's a oneness there, a unity there. Let no man, let no man try to separate that divine oneness. Nothing. Don't mess with that. Don't ever mess with a man or woman's marriage. God is looking on. He said, don't separate what I've joined together. There's a compound unity there. Now, when we talk about God, he's one spirit. But there's three persons that are joined in this essence, and they all come out of it. So there are three that represent one spirit that is God. I call him Father. The spirit that is God is one. And with that, we come to the end of our time together here on Truth For Today with our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. As we close out our program today, we would invite you to contact us. Let us know how the broadcast has encouraged you, has ministered to your walk and relationship with Christ. Now, there are a couple of ways that you can contact us. By phone, obviously the easiest, 855-833-9864. Again, Simply call 855-833-9864. You can also write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. 94547 is the zip code. Now, the easiest way to get in touch with us would be through our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Now, as you stop by, you'll be able to drop us an email, but then take advantage of the many resource materials we have available, again, there at truthfortodayradio.org. Or, again, simply call 855-833-9864. Would you also bear in mind this radio broadcast is available through listener support. As you link arms with us financially, we are able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. So please consider that as you contact us. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Now.